Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples with the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good, 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 good. Late game, Bruce. So I had a, like an hour to do my stre- daily stretching before the game. <laughs> yeah, I wish I'd started that about 30 years ago, but better late than never. Stretching way. Oh, yeah, for the last two years, it really, really helps with hockey. Really, uh, good, good. yeah, no, I, and I recommend it to actually to anyone. It is absolutely fantastic exercise, especially like well, I'm in my 60s now. And uh, if you want to feel like 20 years younger in terms of your movement, just start stretching. That's my uh, advice to anyone because that's how it's made me feel, honestly. It's fantastic. Bruce. Oilers. They beat the Ottawa Senators. Kind of a, it was a fairly high event game. Lots happened in the game. I guess if you go by grade A shots, at least. Um, There, it was, you know, the three to one score. The Oilers had 26 grade A shots. The Senators had 10. So this game should have been uh, a much bigger margin. Yeah, it should have been a much bigger margin, though, of uh, Oilers victory they probably should have had well let's see uh six goals five or six or seven goals they had 11 five alarm shots to three for the senator so it was a pretty dominating performance by the others but still it felt the the game had a fairly lackluster feel to it would you agree yeah yeah i would you know it was one of those like last game against philly with all the beautiful goals and stuff it was like you know uh painting a, a Rembrandt. This one was more like painting the bathroom. And it was <laughs> just, you know, get the job done and, you know, just get get by. But the, they really didn't have a whole lot of, they got a lot of shots and stuff. It seemed like they, their, you know, their touch at the killer moment was the pass didn't quite get through or the shot was flubbed or it got a ticked on the way by and didn't go where they wanted it to go. And there was a whole lot of that. And I guess some credit certainly goes to Ottawa for clogging up and collapsing to the net front and stuff. But uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, I guess my fallback position is don't critique a win, so I'm not going to be go too overboard on it. But uh, uh, this game was not the joy to watch that the last game was. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. The here's the one play that for me typified the lackluster play. I think the score was either two to nothing or two to one at this point. It, it might have been two to one, and McDavid got it two on one rush. I think with Hyman. Maybe it was Nuge. Anyway, um, he, he charges in there. And, man, he could have taken a shot. He, he, he could have made one of his moves, you know, cutting into the slot, cutting across the slot, putting the puck on net. You know, one of his, when he just has to score kind yeah. of moves. But instead he made kind of a lackluster pass that got picked off. And it just struck me, like, if the orders, if they just really were desperate for a goal in that moment, he would have he created some magic in that moment um, and not gone for kind of the rope and not a very good pass for him, especially in that situation. 
So that, that to me was just like, it just, he just, it's, everything seemed just a little bit off. Yeah, agreed. Um, all night long, although there was some good things, and this was, mm-hmm. I think, a fairly. It was a really strong defensive effort by the Oilers. I don't think that should be, should be um, overlooked. I mean, you allow just ten grade A shots and three five alarm shots. Eight, that's that's pretty darn good. Eight of them in the second period, which really was a track meet. But yeah, yeah. So McDavid had two two on ones. He had one with Drysaddle right after the Oilers killed the penalty in the third. And it was still it was two nothing, and a goal at that moment would have absolutely put the game to bed. And the defender kind of cheated for the pass, and McDavid tried to force it through, and it looked like you know he had a clear shot from yeah. as close as he wanted to go, and he just tried to force it through anyway, and it did not work. And there was just some, you know, the polish around the net was was lacking a little bit, and. You know, I mean, it's pretty hard to be be too critical of, uh, you know, when the team gets 46 shots on net. But uh, they were uh, uh, just, they, they, you know, they they were a lot of grade A minus chances, as I That's said to my true. son during the game. Uh, they were grade A's, but, you know, they weren't like super dangerous. So. Lots of dangerous you know, ones. Never too, critique a win. Yeah. Bruce, let's do our two good things, two bad things, two numbers, and one conundrum rundown of the game. What is your good thing? Okay. Uh, my good thing, uh, it's hard not to go with Zach Hyman. Yeah. Uh, scoring all of the Edmonton goals in a, in a win, uh, netting the hat trick to uh, um, to give the orders uh, uh you know, all the offense they needed on this night. Uh, th- the first goal was a, uh, must have been just barely tipped of a Bouchard point shot on the late second period power play. The game was 0-0 until the 39th minute. And you wondered if that goal was ever going to come. And it was a play where Bouchard and uh, Nugent Hopkins, so well, Bouchard first made a play at the blue line to keep it in. And then he and Nugent Hopkins uh, uh, did a back and forth, and then Bush just sifted one in there from the blue line, and Hyman was parked in his usual spot, and uh, the goal, you could hear the puck hit the post on the way in, but apparently it also ticked off of Hyman's stick, and maybe that's the reason that it found a little crack in in, uh, the goalie, who was the excellent... Anton Forsberg, who could almost be my good thing just by the mere fact this guy's back and playing in the NHL after the horrendous injury he suffered last year against the Oilers, against Zach Hyman, in fact, when Hyman got pushed into him and he tore both of his knees on the same play. Remember that? Oh, and they carried him off on a stretcher. It was awful. It was just uh-huh. brutal. So to see that guy back and playing as well as he did tonight was a, that was that in itself was sort of a win. Um, because you don't like to see that happen to anybody, especially the goalie. And so, uh, anyway, he got that one. Then early in the third, uh, he jumped in on the on the wing, taking a very sharp lead pass again from Bouchard, and uh, letting fly from distance. And this one was Forsberg's one big mistake of the night that he he went to get his blocker on it and he got a piece of it, but somehow the puck got through and dribbled 
into the corner of the net to make it 2 nothing. That was the eventual game winner. And then once um, uh, once the Sens uh, cut the margin to 2-1, to one, uh, the Oilers got a uh, late power play. And again, it was Hyman in his office uh, on the edge of the blue paint. And this time, McDavid sifted a, a true pass right through on his tape that he was able to just tip home deftly into the the top corner of the net to restore that two-goal lead. And, you know, that I think the last couple of minutes would have been pretty nervous without that two-goal lead. Like, Ottawa was coming, and there were, you know, there were signs of crackage uh, in the defensive zone that... Uh, uh, I was very relieved that that third third uh, third goal found the range. So for Hyman now, that makes 25 goals on the season. 25 goals, Zach Hyman. I mean, he's halfway to 50, and we're only at game number 36 out of 82. Like, he's just scoring at another level again. Like, he had a career year his first year in Edmonton. He stomped that in his second year in Edmonton, and now he's on the way of stomping that in his third year here, and he just keeps uh, delivering the goods. And tonight, basically, the goods that he delivered was worth two points in the standings, which is the main points we're always concerned about. He made major contributions to 12 grade-A shots today, Bruce. Oh, I know six, he had eight shots. Six on the power play and six at even strength. So uh, that's a that's a really great game for you – know, I think it led the team. I think McDavid had 11 Wow. Uh, I haven't checked the other players, but uh, usually yeah. the McDavid's the main competition in that category. Mm-hmm. Just one assist for McDavid. You could have had more, but um, yep. not to be. Yeah, so Hyman, yeah, in his first year here, 27 goals in 76 games. And we're all thinking, well, look wow. at that. The winners really got their money's worth out of this guy. You know, like he's exactly came as advertised. He had his best scoring year in his NHL career, 54 points, best uh point total and we're thinking that that really worked out good playoff 11 goals and 16 games in the playoffs then the next last year 36 goals and 83 points in 79 games and uh this year so far 40 points and um 25 goals and uh, is it is well it's 35 games for the team for Hyman. yeah for 36 Hyman for the 36 team 35 for, the team. for Hyman, yeah right. so he Good for him. I, last year, he tapered off in the second half because he got injured. He got hurt, and, yeah. And what I'm hoping is this, in his playoffs, weren't as effect, he wasn't that effective in the playoffs. He was he was okay. But he wasn't the Zach Hyman that we saw in the first half. This year, I want, like, of course, the Oilers don't have the luxury. They're going to be burning. they got to, you know, keep the pedal on the metal all year long because of the crappy start. Yep. But, Bruce, they are now in, um, you were just telling me before this all started, they're where are they now they're 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 in the second wild card spot tied with Arizona but um but they're ahead of Arizona on um uh points percentage tied for points is that correct uh they are they want ahead of Arizona bring this back up there yeah they're in the second wild card spot by points uh tied with St. Louis and Seattle but with two games and three games respectively on the, in hand on them, one point ahead of Arizona with one game in hand. So by percentage, they're even ahead of Nashville, who's four points ahead of Edmonton, but the Oilers have four games in hand. 
So they're 569, which is like suddenly uh, better than the league average after that rotten 2-9 and 1 start. And they have uh, 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 the best um, uh, the best record for uh, uh, all the teams outside of, you know, the top three in the two divisions are a ways in front of everybody. They got a lot of hard climbing yeah. to go to get to get to there, but uh, they've already caught up with the uh, uh, wild card race, and uh, currently by percentage, they're sitting on top of it. Yeah, like I, they did come back earlier, and they were close by points percentage. I think they were the eighth team yeah. uh, for the wild. They were the bottom wild card team, eighth team in their conference previously, and then they lost three in a row. Yeah. So this is the first time that they've actually been on points. They fought their way back into a playoff spot. So congratulations, Edmonton Oilers. And I think, um, I think when they got off to the good start with Nob, like we were, we were guessing it would take about two or three months, right, for them to fight their way back into the playoff spot to make up the points. I think there were six or seven points behind at that point. And it's finally, man, they as much as they've won, it's been a long, hard battle to get back into that playoff spot. But they're there, Bruce, and now they got to just keep going obviously and uh we'll, we'll we'll talk more about it whether they can do that in a bit but keeping going is what they seem to be doing just now it sure is seven in a row amazing uh bruce my good thing is the orders back checking and um this came up uh earlier today um when uh in um uh, the press conference, Ryan Rashog of TSN asked Oilers coach Chris Knobloch, you know, things are going well, but what's one or two things you could improve upon? And he said something that really resonated with me because uh, it's something that I've been harping on repeatedly. But uh, Coach K said, quote, probably the one thing that the coaches find is defensive details. I think we've given up more chances off the rush than we'd like to. I know that was a point of emphasis when I first got here, and we probably slipped a little bit in that area. Typically, five-on-five five goals are probably 45% of the goals come offline rush scores. So we just have to tighten that up. That's usually either D, pinching, or forwards, not back-checking. And in the previous game, um, where they had won 5-2 um, over uh, Tortorella's team there, the Flyers, mm-hmm. The two goals against were both on, there had both been lazy back checking on both um, goals against. And I, and in a very gentle, um, quiet way, Knobloch identified a problem, Bruce. And to me, you know, all year long, we've been talking about rush goals against, Mm -hmm. rush chances against, rush goals against. And the owners still at this point have given up more rush goals than they've scored. But tonight they were eight to two on rush chances. They created eight and they gave up only two and they scored the one goal. Hyman's goal was on a rush chance. Bouchard set him in and he went in on kind of a partial break in and whipped in the puck. So tonight I was watching that closely to see what kind of response there might be from what Coach K said. And it was excellent. The Oilers really did a fantastic job of uh, back checking. I mean, there was one play where Fogel ran into Nurse and that, and that caused a rush against. So that was kind of a malfunction at the junction, a, a meeting of the minds, as Ed Whalen would say, uh, when two people bang heads together. Um, 
but uh, so that was that was a weird play. But overall, this team really did focus tonight, and they and they have in the past. Um, I think, and what I wrote in my post today, I think this is a big enough issue that if the Oilers don't get on top of back checking on the rush. They're not going to get out of the second round. It'll be just like last year against Vegas. They're going to lose to a, a, um, a tighter checking team that can score in an opportunistic fashion like Vegas. And um, if they do back check Bruce, they'll win the Stanley Cup. I, I really believe that. I think this is the, it's clearly the best offensive team in the NHL. They can, they can get the goals that they need. I think we're starting to see signals um, that the goaltending might well be there, but the goaltending tends to be there when you don't give up two on ones and three on ones and three on twos. Uh, so I think if they back check hard this year, if these forwards make up their mind, make it make up their mind to have this habit as they did in tonight's game and as they have in other games, that the Oilers will win the cup this year. And it's really, to me, as straightforward as that. Back checking also includes, to me, in zone play where where um they're cycling the puck in the in the off in the Oilers zone and the and the centers have to essentially mainly the centers have to help out in the slot uh come back um check their man in the slot so it's both things coming back on the rush and, and on the cycle and we saw they, they did a fine job of it tonight they're they're capable of it all this is is hard work and a defensive awareness and it doesn't come easily to offensively gifted hockey players um, but it, if they want to win the Stanley Cup, it's a key ingredient, and we saw it tonight. Sure did. They're they're paying attention for the most part. I had some little problems with their their uh, ability to move the puck out of their own zone, and particularly to get over their own blue line, which is a, a pet peeve of mine always when they can't get the puck out. Uh, but they, uh, uh, it wasn't because there was nobody around. There were, you know, they, they had the pucks around it so often, even when Ottawa, you know, were able to keep it in, they weren't able to get shots through. And Edmonton did a good job in the lanes. I thought uh, Cody Cece had an absolutely fantastic possible goal-saving shot block against the St- yeah. Tim Stutzley rocket on that power play Ottawa yeah. had in the third yeah. period. And that was with, what, nine or ten minutes left that would have potentially uh, made it 2-1 with, you know, a fair bit of time on the clock. And, they, you know, they came up with uh, uh, with some uh, big defensive stance. And forwards back-checking, I mean, it helps when you're not outnumbered. I'm sure every defenseman will tell you that. You're, you're a D-man yourself, you know this. Yeah. Uh, the um, most of the senators, six of the ten chances from the senators came off four checks. They're four mm-hmm. checking, and to give the senators some credit here, um, they're not a great offensive team, but they really worked hard on the four check in the second period. They went to work, and they were kind of desperate. They, you know, they were playing with some desperation. I thought, yeah, for a spurt in the second period, and um, yeah, they they uh, they got a number of of really good uh, scoring chances um, off the forecheck. And I do think was it was the goal and we'll get into the goal in a second. I think the goal was scored on the forecheck too. I think he won the puck on the forecheck mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, actually we haven't even graded that one. So it might've been the 
that was another four check chance, I think, for the. Uh, I think he won the puck. No, it certainly wasn't there. a rush out. He just drove along the goal line and. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk more about that. Bruce, what is your bad thing? Yeah, I'm going to go off script, and I'm going to carp at Sportsnet's persistent inability to cover faceoffs. Man, yeah. it just drives me nuts. Uh, you know, they go for a TV timeout. You got two minutes. You got a 90-second commercial. You got 30 seconds before they're going to drop the puck. So I get that they're trying to stuff as much content as they possibly can in between the whistles. Show three or four or five different replays, or show five different angles of the same play, and then sp- scan along the bench, and you see this little clock in the corner, and it's running because I already dropped the damn puck. I want to see the hockey game, Sportsnet. Show me the hockey game, right? The replays great, but they shouldn't they shouldn't overrun the game itself. Sometimes I'd like to even see the build-up before the face-off. Who's lining up against who? What's going on in the circle? You know, and I don't know how many draws they missed. It seemed like the whole third period. I mean, you got a 2-1 game in the third period. Why would you want to watch D-zone face-off? <clears throat> I, I think just as a general critique, Bruce, more of an overall focus on the game in general, Yeah. both in the commentary, yes. in the play-by-play, Mm-hmm. Who's got the puck, you yeah. know, um, just always yeah. just focus on that. It's hard to get that right. It's hard to call that right. It's hard to call that with passion and accuracy, fairness and accuracy at the same time. Mm-hmm. And with the commentary, just focus yeah. on the play and show us the play. Do the basic things right. And I think they get a little caught up in being sometimes, you know, I don't know, like personalities chattiness um, what's that chattiness yeah chatty kathy's like just oh. just focus on the play and what you're pointing out is well for you and i you know who we we need to know if they lost mm-hmm. a face off we want to see what happened because we're trying to judge well, we're trying to judge game. we're trying to yeah well like any other fan <laughs> and we're trying to exactly we're just like any other fan we're trying to watch the hockey game, but we're also breaking down the statistics of the major scoring chances if we don't see the face-off now usually they if there's a good scoring chance they do eventually show the face-off like in the replay three minutes later you might get you'll probably get the face-off then but it is i agree it's just it's um i really like uh the way the british do it with soccer there's just a real usually there's not even a color commentator there has one guy there has been in the past it's one guy announcing the play and all he sometimes just says is the names of the players like there's not a lot there's not like we're watching it we just we do want to identify who's taking the shot often these guys don't get who's taking the shot they because i think they're not like they're just not zeroed in anyway there's a good there's a lot of good work by all of these announcers Mm -hmm. as well i don't want to be too critical but if if they're looking to improve this is how i would suggest they can improve and um, they do a lot right. They're and they're they're highly skilled at their work. Um, but this is they could get better at that. My other pet peeve, and this relates directly to our project, and I'm sure you have the same one, is the number of times they take the score bug off the screen to replace it with other extraneous information. Like how about you put the score bug in one corner and you put the extraneous information in another corner, or better yet, show the extraneous 
information during the stoppages instead of always during the play. And show the clock. Like, it's so fundamental to the game. So, anyway, pet peeves. I agree, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're show just... me the game. Show me the face-off. Show me the score bug. Yeah, the basic information <laughs> is really what we're there for. Yeah. And um, it's hopefully dramatic enough and interesting enough, compelling enough mm. that that's what you're selling. And yeah. yeah. All right. My bad thing is the one goal that the Senators scored. And um, bad because, you know, Stuart Skinner was going for a shutout. That's always great for a goalie to get a shutout. Mm-hmm. And he's five minutes away from a shutout. And Ekholm... Um, got beat out of the corner by Kachuk. And then Bouchard, um, strangely, he was in front of the net. And I thought I saw him shoulder check um, to see if there's anyone coming in. And so he 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 played it as if there was someone who was open for a pass on the other side, which, which is the right way to play it. Like someone's coming from the side like that, you kind of let the goalie take it. You got to take away that pass because that pass is deadly dangerous. But there was no one coming. Maybe he maybe he wasn't certain of that, so he kind of um, held back in the slot and let Kachuk charge into the slot, and then he let he and Adam Erne let both uh, both of those guys let the goal scorer into the slot. Parker Kelly, I think, is his name. Mm-hmm. Yep, and yeah, um, pretty good game, Parker Kelly. So he just jammed it in. It was obviously the right call that that was a goal. I don't know why it was much of a controversy. It, it was clearly a goal. There was no, they didn't, Kachuk didn't hit the goalie in any significant, I didn't think he hit him at all. He just jammed his stick in, which you're allowed to do when you're trying to score. And um, yeah, the Oilers just, Ekholm's first breakdown wasn't great. It's not like, a, Ekholm's been playing fantastic hockey. And fantastic defensive hockey, but that was not a moment. That was not an example of that. And then uh, Erne and Bouchard, um, well, they start, you know, they didn't block or cover anybody, either of them. So not a stellar moment in front of the net. Even And Evan Bouchard, to his credit, had three points sure and was did. critical to the victory with a, with a fantastic um, shot on uh, Hyman's goal and then a great pass to set up Hyman on the second goal. So um, Bouchard now has 39 points, Bruce, in 36 games. He's well on his way to my prediction of 90 points for Evan Bouchard this season. And on that note, if you've been listening to this podcast for, for years, you'll notice that now and then I've made, I've often made a comparison to Larry Murphy, but now and then when I'm particularly um, enthused about Evan Bouchard. I have compared him to Sergei Zubov. And mm-hmm. I do note, and I, Bruce, you always kind of not said a whole lot and maybe had a slight look of incredulit- incredulity mm-hmm. on your face. I have maybe have noticed when I've made that comparison. But I will, I will say. I, know, I understand some of it. Craig McTavish made the comparison Monday night on Oilers oh, Now. Yeah. yeah, he said Bouchard reminds him of Sergei Zubov. So there you go. Yeah. Sergey Zubov could look like he was out having a smoke. And the puck would come to him. And the puck would be off his stick and onto another Dallas Stars stick racing up the ice. And some opponent would take a run at him and never hit him. He was incredible at avoiding hits. Or if he did get, he was like Gretzky. If he did get hit, he would just go with the hit. And and the other guy would wind up, you know, hitting more wall than, than opponent. 
he he is more agile than Evan Bouchard yeah. will ever be, right? Like, yes. I, I, so I'm yeah. not saying it's it's. Yeah, they're not the same player, but they do have things in common, and calmness uh, under pressure is <laughs> is one of those things, almost to a fault in Bouchard's case. Well, I'll give Bouchard a lot of credit tonight. He took one awful smack to the face yeah. at the end of the second period, right off the what they call the turnbuckle. I think just uh, the um, uh, the join between two pieces of glass. And it was a real weird hit. It wasn't involving a stick or anything, but his head smashed into the glass and he got cut up pretty good. And uh, he came back in the third period and got two more points after that. So good on him for uh, for uh, toughing it out. Zubob, 1,068 games, 771 points. His top year, 93-94 with the Rangers when he had... Yeah. Uh, 89 points in 78 games and 19 points in 22 playoff games. They won the Stanley Cup. So uh, that guy was a hell of a hockey player. He really was. And 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 again, I do think um, he's more agile than Bouchard. But what they have in common, common is exceptional calmness with the puck, exceptional passing and shooting ability. Bouchard shoots the puck, I think, better than uh, Zubov did. But Zubov was a more agile uh, player, but this year, especially uh, now with his Paul confidence, Evan Bouchard is carrying the puck very, very well and starting trying to make plays. Of course, yes. he got he got one picked off his stick in the first minute of the game there by Stutzley, uh, Stutzla, and they uh, he almost you know, it almost ended up as a goal against. But that's what happens if you're going to make yeah. try to make plays with the puck. You're now and then going to give it up like that. Bruce, what is your um, Oh, you you gave your bad thing. Now it's mine. Yeah. No, I get, just gave my bad thing. What's your yeah, number? You the numbers? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Stu Skinner, who uh, since his worst showing of the season, which was uh, November 22nd in Carolina, when he gave in four goals in the first 15 minutes of the game and got pulled, and Calvin Pickard came in after playing the previous game in Florida. He played, you know, most of two straight games, Pickard. And at that point, people were very nervous because the Oilers had given up, I think, 17 goals in three games to uh, Tampa, Florida, Carolina. There were some empty netters and stuff, but, you know, the, the Oilers was getting three and four a game and losing in regulation because they couldn't keep it out of their own net. And when Skinner got pulled and people were going, we got to make a trade. we got to get a, a real NHL goalie in here. Skinner's lost the plot. Okay, well, that was November 22nd. Since then... Uh, Skinner has played 14 games, all starts. Uh, the Oilers won 12 and lost two of those games. Skinner's running a 9.26 save percentage and a 2.00 goals against average, actually 1.997 goals against average. And he's given up 28 goals in 14 games, and he had there was one overtime period in there, so he actually played slightly more than 60 per game. And that is, uh, that's just stellar. And he's had two shutouts in there, one, two, three, plus tonight, four one-goal games, three two-goal games. So that's, you know, nine of the 14 games where the Oilers gave up two or fewer goals. Well, guess what? They won all those games. And uh, uh, when when your goalkeeper is keeping the other guys below three with this club, 
I like their chances. And uh, Skinner has been consistently strong and occasionally stellar. And yeah, he's been a lot better, Bruce. I really think team defense has been a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. They're not, they're not sure. giving up ugly, ugly, ugly chances um, that they did in the did as many of them um, mm-hmm. as they and did. He's in the not past. giving up ugly goals, and uh, you know it's, he isn't either. He's playing well, and and the so. defense is playing well, and he's a good first shot goalie. Is my my mm-hmm. uh, take on Stuart Skinner, uh, Bruce? My number is around. Um, it's a bit of a conundrum as well. It'll be a, we're going to have the double conundrum tonight. Okay. So when it comes to rush chances, if you go for the whole year, the Oilers have had even strength. The Oilers have had 58% of the grade A shots uh, on the rush this year. Um, so they've had, um, you know, I got an ad covering up my uh, numbers here. Does this include tonight or? This does not include tonight. No. Give me one second. I got to scroll down a bit. They did get a rush goal tonight, didn't they? They did. So this does not include tonight. Okay. So to, heading in tonight, they have had 205 rush chances at even strength and the opposite grade A for grade A shots. And the opposition has had 149. So the others have had 58%. When it comes to the subset that are five alarm chances, you know, the the, the very best um, of those, it's 102 to 75. And that gives the orders 68% of those. I hope my math is correct. But when it comes to goals, the orders have had um, 39 goals, now 40, and they've given up 47. So they're getting way more chances on the rush and way more of the best chances on the rush, but they're not scoring as much on the rush. And I I thought, you know, this is really interesting. Um, now, it could be that there's a, we're not grading the very, very highest caliber of scoring chance and the opposition's getting more of those. So that's one possibility. Um what I've, but what I have noticed, this is just anecdotally, is that Skinner and Campbell and Pickard, their strength isn't that when the most dangerous shot on a on a rush chance is when it's passed across cross seam pass and the one timer shot. And there's been a lot of goals against the Oilers um, on that particular kind of play. We actually haven't counted that. Uh, I might go over the goals against and just have a look at that, but. The they're scoring a lot more goals. So I, what I notice is the opposition is much. The Oilers' defense has been till recently much less able to to stop those cross ice pass, cross teams pass on the two on one. So the Oilers are getting a lot of great A shots, but it's the the puck carrier goes in and getting the great A shot. He's not able to get the pass across, which has happened much more often, I believe, with the opposition. So I think that they are getting a higher quality of chance, and I think also that the the Oilers goalies are not acrobatic goalies. They're they're uh, bigger guys, and um, their strength isn't throwing their body across the crease to make the big save. And uh, they've been getting out goalied essentially on rush chances as well. So that's why I think we're seeing um, that higher rate of goals. Could just be luck. 
would be the third thing, right? Just some puck luck. What do you make of it, Bruce? Yeah. Uh, did you say 102, 4, and 75 against? For five or alarms. Five, yeah, that's 58%. Okay. 68. 68 would be over two to one, which would yeah, be okay. really, really high. Uh, I'm okay. just looking at natural stat trick, and they are, that's in all situations, right? Yeah. And natural no, this stat. Is, yeah, even strength, all situations. Oh, that's even strength. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. We're doing that. Yeah. Well, according to natural stat trick, Edmonton's number one in the league in high danger chance percentage, both at even at five on five and in all situations. And they're running around 58, 59% in both, which is excellent. And their conversion rate is lower than that. But at one point it was dismal. Like they were running like 40% goal share when they were having 60% chance share. And now that, you know, they're catching up and the mean has is being regressed towards hard. Yeah. And they are now well over 50% goal share, and it's just not in the 60% range yet. But they're literally number number one in the uh, in the NHL in uh, in high danger chances and expected goals, which would be a related stat. And they're 11th in goal share at uh, 53 uh, 53%, which is good, but it's not 60, right, or 58 yeah. out there. It's also not 40 like it was. So, you know, that the bad start is still dragging down those numbers some, but they're they're fighting back and and the uh, you know, they're on the right side of of the you know, they're above the waterline and and gaining ground and regularly I mean they're winning games, obviously they're outscoring their opponents in the process. Yeah. So I guess it's 58% for both the grade A shots and the five alarm shots, but then just 45% of the goals uh, heading into the game. Well, so, yeah, why do you think that is, Bruce? That they, that they, why do you think the, the, the reason is for um, the, the difference in percentages? The fact that all year long in total they've had so many more rush chances, but still a lower percentage of goals. Uh, well, most of the reason is embedded in the first month of the season, you know, and when, when everything was going wrong and they were, you know, 26th in the league in goals for, and they've been first since then, and they were first last year. And it was just, they were so out of sorts. And, uh, you know, they were making major mistakes and they, you know, they weren't making killer finishing plays at the good end of the ice either. I yeah. mean, it still, it still shows up here and, and high danger goals. They're 14th in the league at 52%. High danger chances, number one in the league at 59%. Okay. You know, so again, they're not converting as many grade A chances as they're creating. You know, they have a you know surplus of of uh, almost three to two, and they're just barely outscoring on the season. But again, they've corrected from where they were, and they're starting yeah. to. My memory of the first part of the year is. They had terrible goaltending themselves, and they ran into a lot of hot goaltending at the other end of the mm -hmm. ice. So yep. that and probably had bad bounces, and they, you know, and the other teams were just when when they gave up an odd man rush, the other teams were executing everything. Yeah. And now nowadays, sometimes the other team messes up too, and or the orders get a bounce, or you know, something something goes right. And for that first month, it seemed like nothing was 
was bouncing their way. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a long time ago, which is a good thing. There's been mm-hmm. a lot of winning since then from the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Well, they were saying tonight that Chris Knobloch, I think they say he was the first coach in history to have two seven-game winning streaks in his first 25 games behind the bench or something. Something bizarre like that, anyway. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Okay, let's go to our second conundrum, Bruce, which is the orders are on a, their second seven-game win streak. And I guess what, what everyone's wondering is, like, can they, can they keep this up? How long can they keep this up for? So their next games are against uh, Chicago, Detroit, Montreal, and then they go on the road, and they're against Toronto. I think our, I, the next uh, three are on the road. That's a that's a oh, that's a road trip. Okay, then, the way they're listed on this. Google yeah, sometimes they show them first. I see. Okay, I was going by that. I was incorrect. So these are all on the road, Bruce. The Chicago, uh, Detroit, and Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, the Toronto three the original, and Toronto is here, and Seattle is here. And then they play the Flames. And then they play the Flames on Hockey Day in Canada in the late game. Okay. So, and that's what in Calgary. Think? Just, um, let's, let's, so then they play the Flames, um, and then they play the Blue Jackets, the Blackhawks, and the Preds. So... That's uh, nine games until they have their break, Bruce. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think um, their record's going to be overall in those nine games? Well, I'd like to think they can win seven of them. And you know that's that sounds aggressive, and I mean it. It, it is in that NHL teams can rise up at almost any time. But I mean they're playing Chicago twice. In that span, and Chicago is down seven regular forwards now from a lineup that never was that strong to begin with. They lost Connor Bedard last night to a uh, to a injury, and then they lost Nick Foligno trying to stand up for Bedard and fight on his behalf, and he broke his finger. Shades oh, of Ethan Morrow, so he's out. They got you know Taylor Hall is out. They got Corey Perry that's no longer even on the team, and that, you know. On and on. So, they're uh, uh, the the team that they're icing at the moment. I mean, if the Oilers can't beat that team on Tuesday night, anything's possible. But I would be frankly shocked uh, for that to occur, even as a road game. Okay, just, so that's one. That's one. <laughs> they got some. T- okay, listen. The the Red Wings will be tough. The Canadians mm-hmm. can always be tough, right? Yep, on Saturday night, the Leafs will be tough. The Kraken will be tough because they're in playoff contention the flames mm-hmm. will be tough because they're always tough mm-hmm. uh are often tough the blue jackets that's usually a team that the orders match up well against but you never know then the, the blackhawks again and the predators there's there's f- about five or six tough fairly tough games there that go either way right i, I will i i will i of course you know i want them to win all the games but i will go with uh six and three okay in this spell that said bruce um, that's cons- I'm, I think I am being conservative, and um, and I say this because the orders have been s- utterly dominant at even strength um, uh, under Knobloch. Essentially, they've just been kicking the crap out of other teams at even strength. Um, it's seldom close in games, and um, that's a signal of a really good team. 
and this is a very this is a team that's been scorched badly mm-hmm. and i think learned a really hard lesson about defensive play early in the year and also realized how alarming it can be if you leave your goalie hanging out to dry just how bad things can go so i think they're really this is a group that's really ripe to hear knoblock's message about defensive play mm-hmm. and the solid decisions and solid back checking and they've been doing it very consistently since he took over and i there, again there's a bit of backsliding there which is why he brought it up but um yeah seven and two that'd be good i just you know it would be fantastic six if one and two would accomplish the same thing you know yeah uh, 14 points uh you know i mean when you get to overtime obviously you want to win it but an overtime loss is less of a disaster than a regulation loss is. And, and a problem this year is the orders haven't been able to limit the losses to one. When they do lose, they always seem to lose three or even four in a row. And so they've had just one of those, you know, eight in a row wins, three losses, seven in a row wins. Well, you can take those three losses when they're surrounded by 15 wins, but it'd still be nice to nip losing streaks in the bud at one game. And it would be nice to at least sometimes get, you know, half a loaf, is it, or a third of a loaf out of a out of a three-point game and at least, you know, roll the dice in overtime. You're not always going to, you're not always going to come out on top, but you're always going to at least have something to show for it. Seven and two or six and three would, um, you know, they fought their way into a playoff spot. Either of those records would... Uh, really put them in a good place heading down the stretch anything less than that they're going to just be battling away five and four you're going to be battling away right like you cannot have that so uh but this is a this is a an excellent team and um they're doing they're doing a lot of things well and if their power play really gets cooking at some point like really takes off and they get power plays um, they could, they could, uh, that could also propel them to more wins, but at even strength, this team's a juggernaut, Bruce. This is, they're outstanding. Well, after the break, they come right back with three game roadie at Vegas, Anaheim and Los Angeles. So two very tough games in there, one home game, then another three game trip to St. Louis, Dallas and Anaheim or Arizona, pardon me. Yeah. Three tough teams that are all in the playoff picture. And so you'd like to think, you know, they're going to find a way to win some of those games, but they're not just going to cakewalk and beat everybody in that stretch. So the better time to be doing that is just keep do, doing what they're doing right now in this coming stretch of games and really get a good bit of a cushion in there. You know, they, they say winning streaks come to an end because bad habits start to form. Well, I'm seeing actually good habits, generally speaking. Uh, there, there was good habits, at least in tonight's game. Like they didn't show signals of, of bad habits. So, um, now there was a couple against the Flyers, but but again, just they are they're overwhelming that with offensive play right now. And if they also then up their defensive game, if they really take that seriously, then this team could cruise into the playoffs. Still, it's a possibility they could they could just start keep winning at a similar rate, not not quite this high rate that they've had overall, but you know, two out of three games they could win for the rest of the year. And that wouldn't surprise me because that's what I thought we would see all year, honestly, because this is a fantastic hockey team. Well, Bruce, you got the game grades. Let's leave it there so you can get all it right. to work. 
fired up. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>